Welcome to the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Thursday, January 12th. It's in the mid-30s here outside of Chicago, and I still haven't used my snowblower this season. Something's going on. Oh, right, global warming. It's real, and it's changing our weather patterns. Just look at California this week. And if we want to leave the world better than we found it, we have to do something about it. Well, the Federal Trade Commission wants to do something about non-compete clauses in employment agreements, and that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. To explain how the FTC's actions could affect the healthcare industry are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchantson, partner at Transformation Capital. But before we say hello to Dave and Julie, I wanted to say hello to the sponsor of the Foresight Health Roundup podcast, Infor. By connecting the business and mission sides of healthcare, institutions can enhance staff experience and simplify patient interactions. With data-driven insights and greater operational control, our sponsor, Infor, supports your company in making healthcare a calling again for your staff. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Dave? Ice storms, lightning strikes, hail, and torrential rains in San Francisco this week. I've never been happier not to be attending the massive J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference Feels like there's a metaphor here someplace. The universe is sending signals that the healthcare ecosystem needs to start delivering on the promise of higher value care for all Americans or else. Yeah, there are no coincidences. Thanks, Dave. Julie, how are you? Well, I did spend my weekend in San Francisco and the hail and that atmospheric river after river after river may be bigger news than the conference itself and all the people who hang out around it. But there's really no great shortage of good discussions and many great talented people to see. So, you know, all's well. There's the rainbow we were looking for. Thank you. Now, before we talk about what the FTC wants to do, let's talk about your experiences with non-compete clauses. Dave, did you ever assign one and how did that work out? I've signed plenty of non-disclosure agreements, but never a pure non-compete agreement. When I was an investment banker, uh, the banks unilaterally instituted a garden leave policy, garden leave, that prevented employees from working for another firm for 90 days after they left or terminated the, their prior employer. It prevented attempts to immediately poach clients, which was the big fear, and it raised the bar for poaching bankers from other firms. But even as a manager, I never liked these policies. I thought we should create environments where our people wanted to work for us, not punish them for wanting to seek opportunities elsewhere. Interesting. Thanks, Dave. Julie, how about you? Did you ever sign a non-compete and how did that work out? Yeah. Having lived in California, the majority of the last 25 years of my life where they are really not enforceable, I've never signed a formal non-compete, but I've certainly, you know, had to negotiate in that broader arena of incentives to stay out of the game, shall we say. So it's mm-hmm. not too different. Yeah, interesting. I had to sign one once when I accepted a new job and it was extremely restrictive. But then they eliminated my job in a reorg five years later, and then all bets were off, even though the non-compete was still in effect. 
I mean, to me, you can't take away someone's job and then stop them from getting another job. So I ignored it. And I think the FTC would be proud of me, given what the agency wants to do. And what the agency wants to do is ban non-compete clauses in employment agreements. A proposed rule from the FTC would make it illegal for employers to enter into or attempt to enter into a non-compete with a worker, maintain a non-compete with a worker, or represent to a worker that he or she is subject to a non-compete. Public comment on the proposed rule is open through March 10th. Dave, what is your public comment on the proposed rule? How could it affect M&A activity in healthcare, and how could it affect market-based healthcare reform? The Liberty Bell got a new crack this week. Uh, This new rule eliminating non-compete agreements strikes a blow for America's innovators, entrepreneurs, and everyday workers. It seeks to prevent powerful employers from limiting innovation, restraining competition, and dampening wages. The little person has a little more spring in their step. The FTC is actually here to help. I often drone on about the absolute need for pro-market as opposed to pro-business regulation. Government regulation and oversight should create level field competitive environments that stimulate innovation, that encourage risk-taking, that enable better ideas to win. Eliminating non-compete agreements would do all of that in abundance. Today, individual states, like Julie was mentioned, determine the character and enforceability of non-compete agreements. That results in a patchwork approach to this basic human right, I believe, to work freely and pursue our economic dreams. California bans them, and many contend that this prohibition against non-compete agreements has been a driving force in creating Silicon Valley's culture of innovation. Michigan is just the opposite. Its regulations prevented a security guard who had signed an employment agreement from taking a similar job that raised his pay from $11 an hour to $15 an hour. Just ridiculous. I didn't see this new rule coming, but maybe should have. It has Lena Khan's fingerprints all over it. As a third-year law student at Yale, Ms. Khan wrote a highly controversial law journal article titled Amazon's Antitrust Paradox. The article explored the anti-competitive dangers of massive platform companies like Amazon that deliver lower prices to consumers, even as they aggregate market power. I love her fresh thinking and willingness to challenge status quo practices. Maybe we should make her one of our revolutionaries, Dave. That's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. And now as uh, Biden's FTC commissioner at the tender age of 33, Ms. Khan has aimed her sights at non-compete agreements. When and if it becomes law, the new rule will apply broadly across all industries, but it will have a disproportionate impact on the healthcare marketplace, which is replete with anti-competitive behaviors by established incumbents with monopoly and monopsony pricing powers. This pro-market rule strikes right at the heart of that well-entrenched group and their practices that stifle level field competition. Let me give you two examples. First, non-compete agreements prevent physicians who sign employment agreements from working in the same geographic area if they leave their hospital or clinic. Physicians, particularly primary care physicians, spend decades building their practices It's just unfair that these agreements limit their ability to build on their career's work. Is it any surprise then that the AHA has come out against the new rule, the apologist for the incumbents? 
Secondly, large technology device and drug companies often acquire smaller companies with disruptive products and services that threaten their franchise and then shut them down. It's an epic problem, pun intended. It's also how drug companies get a stranglehold on certain generic drugs. Eliminating non-compete agreements will make it harder to sustain those anti-competitive practices. Bottom line, eliminating the heavy-handed tactic of restricting competition through non-compete agreements removes one of the more effective tools incumbents use to artificially maintain their market positions. Don't shed any tears for the demise of these non-compete agreements. Once the new rule becomes law, it will promote value creation in healthcare. Companies will make acquisitions that enhance their value propositions not restrict competition. Individuals will have greater freedom to pursue their ambitions in a freewheeling healthcare marketplace. Hallelujah to that. Here, here. Thanks, Dave. That's great. Julie, any questions for Dave? Well, Dave, talked a little bit about the specific impact on healthcare. And when you think about the types of staff and physicians that work inside hospitals that are being bought up all over the place uh, on the ambulatory side. Where do you think we'll see more movement or more impact in the physician ranks? Primary care, specialty, hospitalist? Yeah, my guess we'll see the most movement in primary care. And I think, I don't know this for certain, but I think there's an exemption if a physician sells their practice to a third party, then they can be subject to non-compete agreements. So if that's true, then it will benefit sort of lower members in the hierarchy more than higher members. And if all you've done is gone to work for a health system or a clinic or a specialty practice and signed an employment agreement, then that's where you'll see the movement. Yeah, I'd call that an educated guess. Thanks, Dave. Julie, what's your public comment on the proposed rule? How could it affect M&A activity in the digital health space? And do you think it would speed up or slow down innovation? Well, you know, the digital health space is going to react more like traditional commercial competitors, right? Or the commercial market like Silicon Valley and tech companies. So I do feel like it's a little bit different than how we might think about some of the more traditional healthcare impact. But I guess my reaction was this move is so blunt. Like it's so black or white. And this comment period, I think might be one of the most active comment periods they've seen in a long time because you're going to have companies come from all over the place justifying why they've been using non-competes and how it's protected them and in really important ways. So I sat back and thought about what if digital health companies really want to protect. And when you think about the software powering devices or some of the ambient sensing stuff that our friend Bruce Brandis is doing, or you know the algorithms that are now dictating how AI works or how these bots are functioning in all sorts of analytics. I mean, there's a ton of proprietary out there and it's important in the way that healthcare is evolving. And you know, several companies are struggling with consumer patient engagement or behavior change, and some of those are worth protecting. So I think digital health actually, it's a double-headed sword because they really do care about some of this. So I can imagine there'll be a lot of comment overall from many, not just digital health, about the importance of some protectionism. But I really 
looked closely at some of what Margaret O'Meara wrote in her book, The Code. I don't know if you've seen this book, but she's a neighbor of ours and a professor at University of Washington. And she's a historian who's written this book on the secrets of Silicon Valley. And IP law actually played a pretty interesting role in her thesis that California's refusal to enforce non-competes really paved the way for technology transfer through job switching. So it's her belief that the lack of non-competes really does speed up innovation. And obviously, I think the same really would happen here. So a good idea may not make a great business until other market elements mature and provide the opportunity for a business to really thrive. And I think we've seen that in healthcare, Dave, over the last you know decade or two <laughs> in spades. So it's interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, it is. Uh, how do you divide intellectual property between the person who thought it and the company that paid for it? It will be interesting to watch those comments. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any questions for Julie? Well, my general question on this topic is whether we can craft non-disclosure agreements in such a way to prevent the types of inappropriate technology transfers that you're talking about and separate that from non-competition or non-compete, you know, to be determined. And I agree, we're going to see lots of comments. And I'm, I'm going to ask you a question here in a second about a comment someone from the uh, Chamber of Commerce made. So let's get to that. My favorite saying is that hypocrisy is the tribute vice pays to virtue. So keep that in mind as I ask my question. After saying that the FTC's actions were blatantly unlawful, a spokesperson for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce named Sean Heather emphasized that, quote, when used appropriately, non-compete agreements are an important tool for fostering innovation and preserving competition. Is there any basis at all for Mr. Heather's observation, or is this just an example of a privileged party calling up down? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. I mean, I think Chamber of Commerce, American Hospital Association, I, I would imagine, you know, several large associations will come out against this. So you have to look at some of the history of what has happened in other areas, just like Margaret O'Hara's book, to see where this non-competes can be used for bad and where the removal can be good. But like I just said, I think there are ways these should be used to really protect what companies compete on. The question is, how do you define all that? And when you know sandwich makers from Jimmy John's have non-competes, it's, <laughs> it's a problem, right? <laughs> So that, I think that's what's happened and why the FTC has gone after this is because we're seeing lower level employees who can't possibly really transfer how the secret sauce is made from one sandwich maker to another in a way that's going to hurt them or are not likely to, I should say that. That's where this is coming from. That's why I say I think it's so blunt. There's going to be some happy medium and maybe the use of NDAs in a more creative way, as has been done for years, will be more of the answer. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, the the way the chamber came out and AHA, and I suspect others will, it looks very surface level commentary that's not very deep and just you know protecting their children. Non-competes are anti-competitive. I think the name says it all. 
if Graham Nash had a non-compete with the Hollies, there would be no Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Think about that, right? Dave, that is insightful. There you go. Now let's briefly talk about other news that happened this past week. Julie, anything else catch your eye? Well, I had three things catch my eye. Sorry, Dave, not just one. <laughs> talk about where we are in the industry. One, CBS exploring their 10 billion with a big old B acquisition of Oak Street Health, which I think is a great kickoff to the M&A we're going to see this year. Um, the six-year-old shooting his teacher. I mean, need I say more? And then, I don't know if you saw this, but an incredibly talented, you know, political New York Times journalist who took his own life earlier this week. And <laughs> another very high-profile person. I, it's, it's, I have no words. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is rampant. Thanks, Julie. Dave, any other news this week that's worth noting? Well, after a chaotic couple of days, the nurses strike at Montefiore and Mount Sinai in New York City settled. Uh, the result includes a big pay jump for nurses, lower staffing ratios, and surprisingly, better health care benefits. <laughs> that one caught me by surprise. I don't like mandated staffing ratios. I I think it's trying to manage from the top and stifles innovation, which has been the topic we've been talking about. So way too blunt in the regulatory scheme, but this is an agreement between private parties. In all the commentary regarding the strike, I didn't hear any discussion, none at all, of how technology can reduce nurses' burden, enhance patient experience, and improve care outcomes. I believe, as we've probably discussed on this show many times, that human-machine collaboration is going to be the defining theme of the 2020s. So what a lost opportunity in an area that desperately needs to use technology to make everything better. That's great, Dave. Thanks. And thanks, Julie. And thanks to our sponsor, Infor. Infor connects the business and mission sides of healthcare, enhancing the staff experience and simplifying patient interactions with data-driven insights and greater operational control. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed on today's show, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. And don't forget to tell a friend about the Foresight Health Roundup podcast. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health. <laughs>